Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All righty, we left off in 21-7, because that's a key, key point that as they have pulled in to listen to Jesus, they pulled in this miraculous catch of fish, uh, just miraculous, I mean truly, and Peter, John recognizes it's Jesus about 100 yards away, and Peter just, as he always does, impulsive, just jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. And John and the rest are you know, dragging all these fish and everything, it's, it's just really a lot. But now, picture the scene. Peter swims to shore to get to Jesus, crawls out of the water, goes like that, and then he is face to face with Jesus. Now, Peter experienced Jesus risen in the upper room, and yet, look what he does. Returns home, and resumes his old trade. Obviously, concluding that, I screwed up so bad by denying Jesus three times that even though some months earlier, Jesus says, well, here's the keys to the kingdom, figuratively, right? In other words, you're going to be running the show when I'm gone. Obviously, Jesus has rescinded that, and I am no longer worthy, so I might as well just return from whence I have come. And there he is standing face to face, one-on-one, he probably got to thinking, that was not my smartest move. <laughs> It'd be a whole lot better to have these other guys here. At least Jesus wouldn't yell at me as bad because he's really going to let me have it now. That's what Peter was thinking. Just kicking himself. Running away from the place where he denied his Lord and his Master three times. Peter assumed Jesus was really disappointed in him. But look what Jesus does. Now, in verse 9, the boat arrives and the other disciples, about six others, two of them unnamed, again, drives me nuts. And as they come to shore, they realize Jesus has already built a fire and already has fish and bread cooked and ready to go, but ask them to contribute some of their catch to breakfast. Hmm. So Jesus provides to get him started. At the very least, this is your breakfast appetizer, right? And then we'll cook the fish you got, and we'll have a nice full meal here. We got the bread, everything that, that we need. But look at verse 10. Jesus asked them, doesn't demand, he asked them to contribute some of their fish to the meal. Now, Go back to how we began, because the, this, this whole story is about the beginning and the end of Peter's experience with, with Jesus. It started off with Jesus saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? I will teach you how to fish. 
for men, not for fish fish. And here Jesus has supplied some fish from another source. We have no idea where Jesus got these fish. But Jesus wants the other disciples to put some fish in as well. Greetings. Glad you made it. Some pizza there if you want it. Just sit on it a little bit and warm it right up and then you can eat it. <laughs> so in other words, you know, Jesus brings some fish, they bring some fish. So an image of, we come to Jesus from a lot of different points. There's not one way in which that happens. Some of us grow up in the church and just naturally walk into it. Others go the exact opposite way like Paul and get knocked off a horse and they come to it. Others, it's a long, gradual process like John Wesley. Um, it just There's so many different ways. But Jesus brings some, they bring some different sources, but all winding up in the same place. So in fact, we should rejoice as the angels rejoice for every person who accepts Christ, whether we had anything to do with it or not. Say, yeah, yeah, don't, don't just be glad for the, the one you had the influence on and that person accepts Christ. Even if you had nothing to do with that, we should still greatly rejoice. Now, verse 11. It specifies 153 fish. And again, why are you telling us this, John? <laughs> because, I mean, they... Great scholars have looked at that number for the past 2,000 years, and there's about a thousand different theories. <laughs> and they could be any of them, it could be none of them. Uh, one, I found one, one in particular quite imaginative, and I really liked it. Um, 153 fish, this guy concluded that there was exactly 153 different species of fish. So in other words, we have brought the entire world, right? We brought one of every kind of fish. We, 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 everybody's coming. That would be awesome imagery. There's not nearly that many different species of fish. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> There's only about 75, right? So what are you going to do with that? But anyway, a nice theory, but it, it just, let's just go with the fact that it was a lot of fish, which in and of itself is, is powerful, right? So it's, if, if, if I'm teaching you how to fish for men, then I will use, since you've gone back to your original trade, I will use that as the example to show you what can happen. And doesn't Jesus tell stories like that with the, the parable of the sower? Right? One little seed, if, if, if taken care of, lands in good soil, receives the, the, the proper sun, sunlight and, and water and all of that, a hundredfold increase from one little seed. And that's what is demonstrated here. For your efforts from just throwing... Uh, yeah. the, the boat they were in was, is no wider than this table. So it's not like you had to you know, row 300 miles to a good fishing place. Just from this side of the boat to that side of the boat. 153 fish. <laughs> right? So without much effort is the point. A huge yield. But if you will just... Catch what they did here. Listen to Jesus. They were out all night, caught nothing, ready to pull the lines, the, 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 the nets in and head for shore and call, call it a day. But Jesus says, try one more time. Just throw six feet the other way. And you got it. And boom, it hit. Now, verse 13. Notice that Jesus serves them. 
Now this is the risen Lord, right? This is Jesus right before he comes into his full glory. And here he continues to serve his friends. That's incredibly powerful. So at this meal we have fish and bread. Hmm. Anybody recall another story where we had fish and bread and had lots of it? All right? 55,000, 54,000. Um, yeah. Just unbelievable. And again, even after they put their fish in, there's still a lot of fish left. Right? There's always a surplus. There's always an excess to show you know, how, how well God provides for us. Now, verse 15, we get going in the, the conversation. So all that's the setup for. And note that Jesus and Peter do not start conversing until everybody's there and the meal has begun. Again, the value of the meal. And so the conversation begins and all these other disciples are present, including John our commentator of the day, right? So John is simply writing what he himself witnessed right there that minute. But notice how Jesus starts. Simon, son of John. And we know him as Peter, right? But remember, he originally was Simon, son of John. So Jesus now goes back to the beginning. We're going to start all over again, buddy. But see, he's given them the chance, right? So we've got to go way back. You're no longer Peter. You'll get that name back in a minute if you answer my questions correctly, <laughs> right? But we're going to go way back to when we first met because your name was Simon. This is so significant because it demonstrates that Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Peter gave up on Peter, right? Figuring that what I have done was so bad. Let's face it, Judas, what he did, he felt so bad about it, he went out and hung himself. Peter runs away and returns to his original trade. So Jesus now giving him another chance, ask him the first question. Do you love me more than these? Here's a good question. What are the these? These other disciples. One possibility. What else do we have multiple of before us? Fish. Right? He, he came back to fishing. In other words, I left Jesus to return to my first love. You could say. So Jesus needs him now to clarify. You know, he's asking him to compare and contrast his love for fish with his love for Jesus. Let's see if you can, Peter, understand the, the, the difference here. So as the conversation proceeds, it's clear that Jesus is simply asking Peter three times, do you love me? Now, the beauty of that number three is very significant because Peter denied Jesus three times. So essentially offering him the, the opportunity to erase all three denials. 
Remember that Jesus clarifies that our love for him is first and foremost demonstrated by our willingness to confess the name of Jesus, to stand up for Jesus, to claim to be his follower. In fact, Peter himself writes that we must have a ready answer for anyone who asks us about this hope we have in Christ. I mean, if somebody came up to you and asked you, do you love Jesus? What would you say? Would you hem and haw? Well, <laughs> right? right? You're supposed to have a ready answer for that. So that's what he's doing to Peter now. Tell me now, do you love me more than these? Now, notice three times he tells Peter to live out this love. He's asking, do you love me? Peter says, yes. Then Jesus gives him something to do. Three activities. Quite similar, but three activities to demonstrate your love. So it's not just like hearing the words, I love you is enough. We have to support the love with the action. I mean, any married person here, anybody who's ever been in love knows what that's like. Talk is cheap. We want to see direct evidence of that love. That's exactly what Jesus is doing here. So three times Jesus says, as Peter responds, yes, I love you. Then, Peter, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. So Jesus is sharing two key concepts in three activities. There's feeding and this lamb and sheep concept. Now, in terms of feeding, what, what is Jesus saying? Feeding sheep, feeding lambs. What, what does the feeding mean? That's taken care of. Okay, taken care of. Yeah, like, like a shepherd, right? Spiritual food. Aha. Uh -huh. So, give them what they truly need. Don't we see Jesus doing that a lot? Remember? You know, the woman at the well just wanted physical water. The, the crowd after the feeding of 5,000 just wanted physical bread. We're not talking about that. Right? We're talking about spiritual water, spiritual bread, the things that will sustain not only this life, but eternity. Yes, so this, this feeding. Now, there might be physical feeding. Sometimes you have to address the physical need of somebody before you can address the spiritual concern. It doesn't, doesn't do a lot of good to talk to people about Jesus when their stomach is growling. Right? So, yes, take care of it in order, but the goal is indeed to feed spiritually, to care for. And again, even the most basic of, of needs. Now, Jesus, so you're, you're tending, feeding, taking care of these lambs and sheep. So let's, let's take them in order. What, what is a lamb? Baby sheep, yes. Spiritually, what is a lamb? Okay, somebody relatively new to the faith. A young Christian. You can be 80 years old and be a young Christian, right? So take care of, let's use the feeding concept that you just defined, take care of new, new believers. Okay? Not a tough question, but I've got to ask it. What is a sheep? A what? It's an old believer. An old believer. <laughs> an old lamb, right? <laughs> yeah, not a trick question. But you know, this is the imagery Jesus is using here. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, take care of all ages. Anybody in that continuum from the babe to whoever, however, whatever age is elderly, take care of all of them. So he's basically reassigning the keys to the kingdom back to Peter. I'm putting you in charge of this. Again, the other disciples are still there, but Jesus isn't addressing them. He's, he's speaking specifically to Peter. Now, did, did you notice that Peter gets upset the third time? Jesus asked him, almost irritated. You know, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> I already said twice. You know, what do you want? I suspect you would have done the same. Somebody ask you the same question? Yes. You know, once, okay, twice, eh. Third time is, did you hear me? Or, you know, don't you understand? I mean, there's, and that's what Peter is, is, is questioning. But again, Jesus offers him three opportunities to erase the three denials. So then you look at verse 18. There's a somewhat cryptic statement from Jesus. When you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Well, that's fun. <laughs> right? So I've given you something to do, and then, you know, loads of fun. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get your, your adult diapers out, and you're all set. Yeah. <laughs> Close, Bill. Not quite, but real, real close. So the, the focus is on the stretched out arms. And it's unclear here, but now what we know about what happened to Peter, it's clear what Jesus was saying. He's, Jesus is offering the prophecy that this is the mechanism by which Peter will die. And so they finally caught Peter. Peter went into hiding for, for quite a while. And James, the writer of the, the five chapters near, near the end of your Bible, um, became kind of the ex officio head of the church in Peter's absence. Uh, but Peter came back and uh, they, they, they wound up catching him, tried him, found him guilty like they did Jesus. And, of course, crucifixion would be the mode of, of death. And... They didn't offer it to Jesus, but they apparently offered to Peter, you know, like we do in most uh, capital punishment situations. Do you have any, any last words? And Peter's last words were, uh, please don't kill me in the way my Lord Jesus died. So they were going to crucify him. So what they did was they turned him upside down. So he's... <coughs> Still tied to the cross, nailed to the cross, but you know, the short end just take take a cross and invert it upside down. So he's hanging from his feet now, as opposed from both hands, but arms still outstretched. So they're going to come, they're going to dress you, they're going to take you to where you don't want to go, right? You see, and your arms are outstretched. Crucifixion. Verse nineteen. John has continually connected Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension with his coming into full glory. He, he keeps using that word glory. The glorification of Jesus. And notice the last thing Jesus says to Peter. It's the first thing Jesus said when he called him into ministry. Follow me. Now, Peter asks a distracting question. 
next. But look at the end of that response Jesus makes. We're not going to talk about that. Follow me, right? So he says it twice. He brings Peter back to, I said this, I meant it, now I'll have to say it again. What is Jesus really saying? The first word spoken to Peter was follow me. The last word spoken to Peter is follow me. What's he saying? I want you with me. Okay. And you better fall, right? <laughs> or else. Other thoughts? So now, with what, what you both said, overlay that with the fact that Jesus has just recommissioned Peter to lead the church. Do you see how much more powerful that is now with what you've just said, which is entirely accurate? In other words, you can't lead without following me, without you becoming subservient to me first. So it's all about the leadership. You're either going to follow your own or you're going to follow me. Now, unfortunately, Peter, I think, made a few tactical errors. <laughs> uh, decided to, to bypass Jesus on a few things in the early church. Uh, uh, it was Peter who made the, 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 the grand decision, nope, we're just going to keep all this in Jerusalem. Paul comes and says, oh, we need to take us to the world. He said, fine, go ahead, we're staying here in Jerusalem. <laughs> So uh, there was a couple other things Peter did, and uh, Paul, Paul Paul notes them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, it just it is a matter of uh, of following. Is it possible that Jesus is saying the same thing to us today? Yes. Because if we're not following Jesus, who are we follow? I mean, by you know the way Lewis described it. I mean, you're going to follow somebody else, and anything, anyone other than Jesus is going to lead you off a cliff, right? Even if you say, "Well, I'm smart enough; I'll figure this out, and I'll I'll follow my own, you know, wisdom, my own knowledge, my own whatever," you'll be off a cliff faster than anybody else. So, yeah, the only thing any of us can do is humbly follow Jesus. That's it. And again, you know, it's not like we have to make this stuff up. He gives us all the answers. In other words, follow me and I will, I will teach you, I will show you, I will demonstrate. You know, the, the Last Supper, I will be the example, the model for the, that you can clearly see what you are to do. That's what Jesus says. Now do this. Go ahead, babe. It's, it's awesome to think that he did screw up. And yet, Jesus still qualified him for other Yes. There's, there's hope for all of us, isn't there? <laughs> yes, I really like that part. Yeah. So, it, 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 it's, I mean, that, that would be an interesting study is taking a look at everyone God called from beginning to end. 
for a special task. And if you looked at every one of them, you would say, that would be the last person I would pick. <laughs> you know, Moses, who, even by God's own admission, you're a terrible public speaker, right? <laughs> I have to send your brother to do the talking for you, right? I mean, you know, David, with all his problems, I mean, just pick any of them. You know, Samuel messed up. You know, and so, yeah, there's... But you look at what they all did. They did incredible things because they simply... Follow God. Follow Jesus. Yeah, that's a pretty good insight. <laughs> there's, there, there's hope for me yet. Thank you. But you see, that's what Paul, Paul describes this. The, the only way that, that we get better at that, following Jesus, is because we have the desire to be less of ourselves and more of Christ. In other words, you, you, you can't be 50% me and 50% Jesus. The goal is to divest of self and truly 100% follow Jesus. If you reach that, you, you let me know. Uh, but that's, that's the, the goal uh, that, uh, that we need to be striving for. So yes, growing, developing, becoming more and more. And you're not going to see probably much growth in that day by day, but hopefully year, year by year, you say, well, yeah, five years ago I was back there, but now look where I am. And my understanding of Jesus and my, my willingness to follow wherever he's leading and all of that, you know, we should be making more and more of a progression along those lines on a regular, regular basis. But bottom line is, Peter, follow Jesus. And sorry, but it's going to lead you to the cross. And I think in verse 22 he makes it even more personal. Up at 19 he just says, follow me. And whenever it gets to 22, it's personal. It's not just, hey, everybody follow uh -huh. me. It's you. Uh -huh. Must. Must yes. follow me. Yeah. So uh -huh. that's like, don't worry about anybody else. Yes. Because that, that's what he does. I mean, after, yeah. after this incredibly powerful interaction, then, you know, the, the bait and switch. You know, what's that over there? Yeah. You know, shiny object. And no, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not talking about John. We're talking about you. <laughs> you, yeah, good point. You must follow me. And I'll have that conversation with John. John obviously was already doing a pretty good job of it, so I, mean, I think that's part of what Jesus was saying is, you know, I don't need to have this conversation with John. You, royal knucklehead that you are, yeah, we got to have us talk a lot, right? So, yeah. So and that, that should be good, good advice for all of us to, to not, not look at others and compare ourselves to, you know, if, if someone is seems more advanced in the Christian faith than you are, don't, don't feel bad about that, or don't feel prideful and you know, arrogant that you are at a higher level than somebody else. This is between you and Jesus, and nobody else is, is included in this. That, in and of itself, is, is a humbling, subservient thing to do. But Peter, you're going to wind up on the cross, buddy. That was quite a few years later. Verse 20. So as he inquires about John, you know, what Peter is asking is, will John have to go through what I have to go through? And Jesus gives a really assertive and pretty abrupt answer, doesn't he? <laughs> Basically saying, if I wanted to tell you about John, I would tell you. <laughs> but I don't. So that's not for you to know, Peter. What John does is of no concern to you. So again, he returns. You have one job and one job only. Follow me. You must follow me. 
But just that little conversation again with the other disciples sitting there, including John. I'm sure John wasn't feeding into the conversation, but the other disciples that were there went back to other disciples and other followers and, and somehow extrapolated from what Jesus said that Jesus said that you know John's not going to die until Jesus returns. And that was pretty much the story in the early church. So, and again, that's why you know, Gospels weren't written for many years later. You would think that, you know, this day after Pentecost, they'd start writing like crazy. But writing was a very you know, laborious, uh, painful process that no one could read anyway. So why bother to write it down? Because Jesus is going to return before John dies. So in this generation, Jesus will return. Pretty much the whole church believed that. And John lived to you know, a ripe old age. I mean, he was, it was 90 AD when he died. So people are thinking, well, he's getting really old, man. Any day now, Jesus is going to return, and then John dies. Imagine the disappointment. Imagine, imagine the, the committee meetings they had after that. How did we misunderstand that? Because of this stupid rumor. Now, I mean, to read what Jesus said, I think it's kind of a square peg in a round hole to come to that conclusion that John's not going to die until Jesus returns. But that's what they, they pulled out of that. And then they spread it around like it was fact. Well, it wasn't quite that way. So they're really, really interesting. But again, you know, Peter, don't worry about that. We're not going to deal with it. It's just about you at this point. Now, verse 24, interesting verse. All of a sudden, the pronoun is we. Look at the second sentence. We know that this testimony is true. John's an I, not a we. <laughs> right? So it, it, it's obvious that there was, yeah, John, well documented, John, John had a, he was not only beloved by Jesus, he was beloved by all the early Christians. Because all, all he did was just go, go into churches and just talk about love. That was it. Love, 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 love. And so everybody loved John. So he had a lot of followers. But apparently, you know, as they took what he had written and they added that, that one verse. John taught us this. We believe this because he was the eyewitness to all this. We know that his testimony is true. They just inserted that there, and then John returns in chapter in verse 25 with the final word. And as much as says, you would not believe all the other stuff I saw Jesus do. <laughs> it would blow your mind. In other words, this story is larger than, than John is saying, I can comprehend and I can fathom. Keep in mind, John is the one who, in whatever form or fashion, went to heaven and wrote Revelation. Where you're seeing six-winged creatures and a whole bunch of eyes and, you know, body of a lion and head of a man and what? <laughs> we don't have those things here on earth. Right? So just all kinds of bizarre and weird things. But that's how John humbly concludes the narrative. By simply saying, what I've given you in these 21 chapters is enough. I shouldn't have to tell you anymore. 
I was there, I saw it. Either believe me or you don't. <laughs> and puts the pen down because there's more stuff to do. Yeah, it might drop. <laughs> John, out. <laughs> and that's how it ends. So before we get to taking a look at the entire 21 chapters, anybody have any thoughts on chapter 21? Yeah. Go ahead. Sometimes John seems so humble because he calls himself the disciple. He doesn't name himself the disciple. Yeah. Whom Jesus loved. And then other times, I guess, I just guess, I just wonder does Jesus love everyone the same? Because, you know, sometimes he's humble and doesn't name himself, and then other times he says that Jesus loved him. And he doesn't say that about anybody else. Does, does, can Jesus love each person differently or more or less because they're obedient or because I'm just yeah I just, that might be the most profound question I've ever asked here um, so I mean think think of any relationship yeah. your children or your spouse or whatever yeah. yes <laughs> right yes. so it's takes two people right so let's assume Jesus is putting in 100% of love into this relationship. Now the only thing left is, what is John putting into it? So yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head that Jesus loves us all the same. In fact, it says there are no favorites. It kind of, the way you described it and the way it is in fact written makes it look like John was extra special. But yeah, it was the same thing was said of Lazarus too, Right? But that doesn't seem to come to, to ring true that Jesus picks just a few to especially love and the rest of us are, yeah, I like you guys a little bit. You know, I can barely tolerate you, but yeah, you know. So there, there is indeed an equality of love coming this direction. Except, except he, ha I mean, it, it has to just absolutely warm his heart when yeah. you're so obedient and yes. else. And that's why, that's why Jesus tells Peter, don't worry about John. He's already got it. Yeah. He's already chosen to obey me. He's already chosen to, to love me, not as much as I love him, but to love me. You know, it seems as though I love him more because he and I are connected so well. A lot like David, right? David's the only person described as a man after God's own heart. I mean, that's a pretty high accolades. You know, I would aspire to be, to be called that, right? But only because David really worked at... I'm going to screw up a lot, but I'm going to keep coming back, keep coming back. I immediately, I'm not going to think about it. It would be my, my immediate reaction to come back to God and ask for forgiveness and know that I'm going to be forgiven. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. So we, he loves us all the same, but he has to, I mean, there has to be outpouring love for our obedience. Not more love, but just that, that relationship that he's willing to give us if we're obedient. It, yes, it looks like more love because we are receiving more. Those of us willing to you know, follow him you know, 100%, yes, it would look like we're special or something, but it's not. It's just that we've, we've chosen to respond to this overwhelming love, this love that we can't begin to quantify. 
Uh, but that, that much the same as the unlimited power of the Holy Spirit is available to all of us equally. So it's not like we, you know, a couple people get chosen for, for that special assignment. Uh, we all get the same. It's what we do with it. Our response to it. Wow. There's a sermon coming. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Seriously, that was... I, I've, I've never thought of that before. That's, that is really a mind-bender. Yeah, but that's, that's got to be how it works. Because it, it's not special love given to a few. It's a universal love equal. It's just how we respond to it. And um, but so there it's. There are blessings in that too. Oh, sure. You know, so it does look like you're favored because you are receiving blessings for your obedience. Absolutely. It, it, but again, much like our relationships, you know, when you're really in love, yeah. you know, like you know, teenagers or whatever, you know, they just throw themselves 100% into this and reckless abandon and all that nonsense. You know, it just you know, it, that looks that looks way different than a mature love, doesn't it? <laughs> Here, Bill. <laughs> Best reaction ever. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, they say they're in love. We say we're in love, but it looks way different. It's it's the the quality, the yeah, just the the depth of the love. Yeah, makes it makes it look different, but it's still it's still love. Yeah. So there's yeah, different, different degrees of that. But again, you know, it's how we respond to it that, that defines how, how good it is. But because we know that, his love is always, always, always available to us. Sometimes we can't get out of the human mindset and we evaluate things as we have observed it. And God doesn't do that. Like the prodigal son. The older son was upset that the father lavished all these things on his brother. Yeah, it looked like favoritism. And the father said, don't let this give you the impression that I love you less. Right. You know, and sometimes we believe that these expressions, whether they be a human expression or divine gifts, are evidence that, well, he loves him more, right. you know. Well, what, what was the quote the father says? You know, you have always been with me and everything I have is yours, right? So, I mean, he, you still get your inheritance and it just, it, but yeah, siblings do that a lot. Yeah, we, we, we always claim, you know, mom and dad always liked you better or whatever and then we use that as an excuse for our bad behaviors and yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing, isn't it? But yeah, yeah it's, that's, that, that's how it goes. Welcome to human nature. Wow. So what other thoughts do you have in chapter 21 before we get into the whole shebang here? Kind of going along with what Peggy says, I just find it interesting, like in verse 7, John's writing style. You know, the disciple who Jesus loved <laughs> said to Peter. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, I would think that you would just say, you know, hey, I said to Peter. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, how he describes himself yeah. as, you know, this guy that Jesus really loved said to this other guy, Peter. Well, th th that was a whole episode of Seinfeld. Was um, was using using your yourself in the third person. Do you, do you remember that one? It was, it was one of the funniest ones. And, you know, just put Seinfeld over the edge. You know, we for you know rather rather than say you know Jim Jim says you know I I had pizza for dinner. Jim Black had pizza for dinner tonight. You know, it's like it just sounds ridiculous. It, it does. It just. Uh, yes. Lily talks about herself in the third yes. person. 
See, what I like to do is put the in the front of your name. That, that, that makes it feel really important. The Jim, right? The Justin, right? Just makes you, makes you sound really, really important, doesn't it? That's a good point. But, but even with that writing style, yep. like, I'm trying to put myself in his mindset of why would I write it this way? I, I, I don't know that I figured that out yet, but uh, as opposed to... I think that, yes, he's, that's his way of trying to be humble by not even calling himself by name. Because the, the, the name is indicative of the person, so he's trying to be somewhat mysterious and it... You can take it the other way though, too. <laughs> in one sense, though, remember he identifies himself as, as the one leaning up against yeah. Jesus at the Last Supper and inquiring of Jesus, you know, who who done it, yeah. right? So I mean, he came up with that one too. So that was I, they're they're just mis, mis, mysterious identifiers, but we all know who he's talking yeah. about. Is the guy that really loved, and then Peter, this guy that denied him three times. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Other chapter twenty one thoughts. Go ahead, Bill. It was an interesting where you know where Jesus gave Peter three opportunities to you know, say that he loved him and, and the redeem himself. That our Bible study, our men's group on Monday night, which there was it talks in the book about repentance and said the true repentance is not just turning away and, and asking for forgiveness. True repentance doesn't come full circle until you come back into the love of Jesus. And it, it goes back to the point that sometimes you, you beat yourself up over the dumb stuff that you do that you don't come back and, and Jesus gave me the opportunity to do it. Because, yeah. I mean, he had walked away from he was going back to fishing. You know, I've blown this and I'm done. Yep. You know, so it, it makes sense whenever you see this that that's part of it because it's not complete your circle of repentance until you come back into Jesus. Back into that's Jesus. exactly what it is. Do you love me? Yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's focus on that as opposed to how you screwed up. Yeah. Now, really bend your mind. Um, but I, I think that the saddest part of this whole story is, is Judas not sticking around. But let's hypothesize. If Judas had stuck around and Jesus had done a Peter to him, gone to wherever he was, and offered to him forgiveness. And he would have. Yeah. yeah See? Yeah. Good, Sam. Well, this is a little bit off the beaten track. But in Revelation, um, I think it's 21, it talks about the 12 foundations and mm -hmm. the names of the 12 apostles. Yeah. So Judas was still recognized then at that point. So he may have asked forgiveness before he killed himself. Well, remember, Judas was replaced with Matthias. So it, it, it seems clear in the biblical testimony that, that Judas, well, there's no other easy way to say it, is in hell. That, I mean, there's some pretty distinct clues that because he gave up on Jesus, he, 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 he had no hope. And Christianity is a religion of hope, and without hope, I mean, you really don't have anything. And so it's not, not because of betraying Jesus, it was because and remember Jesus says, you know, that, that his punishment will be extreme and all of that, so yeah, I mean, there's just a whole bunch of statements, you know, Paul makes a bunch uh, referring to Judas, seems very clear he doesn't, he doesn't get to heaven uh, because just everything he did, he just, he had a complete denial of the Holy Spirit his entire life uh, relied on his own understanding of things and missed the entire spiritual realm 
Um, and so he's out. But yeah, so Matthias would be the one, the one to replace. Yes. And seriously, I've never, never thought of it that way before. But yeah, that's. I'm gonna stick with that answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, 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 it would be improper to have, have Judas somebody in hell uh, as one of the, uh, the the cornerstones. Yeah. Good. Me? Yes. But but he it was he wasn't uh, Peter wasn't the only disciple that went back to fishing. Right. The others followed. Yeah. And and they didn't catch any fish without Jesus. There it is. Yeah. Yep. And again, you know, the, the spiritual ramification, fishers of men now, you're not going to catch any, any fish. So there, there's no eloquent speech. There's no you know, human ability capable of helping somebody come to Christ unless Jesus is part of your life. So yes, we all need to hear that. Just follow me. Just shut up and follow me. And I'll show you what to do. And he even says, you know, if you ask me, I'll give you the words to say. I mean, we have like, the only thing we do is move our feet. <laughs> Much like Abraham. Much like Moses. Just go stand in front of the Pharaoh. I'll give you the words to say. I'll perform all the miracles for you. I'll take care of everything. Will you do that? Well, I don't want to. <laughs> it comes up with all excuses. Go ahead, Gary. And the big thing is he didn't come back yelling, screaming at him. Right. Say, you dumb idiot. You were with me three years. I taught it to you all this stuff. And here you are back here fishing instead of, instead of going out and uh, spreading the word, the news. And uh, the good news. And uh, so he, he uh, said, follow me. He loved, he loved them. And, and you know, everything, he, he brought it all positive instead of the yep. negative stuff. And, and brought him right back into the Because Peter obviously knew what he had done, felt really bad about it. And so, yeah, we don't have to bring that up. We don't have to name it. You, you know what happened. So, yeah, that is I mean, just the most perfect way to bring it around without naming it. Yeah, so we're not going to focus on the denial. We're focusing on your love for me. I'm going to give you three times to, to say yes. And then I'm going to give you something to do. Right? So follow me and I'll teach you again how to fish for men, how to feed my sheep, my lambs, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Anything else in chapter 21? Now the whole book, the whole gospel. What, what was new, what was exciting, what was thrilling, what was life-changing? Uh, pick any of them. <laughs> what was, what, what, because John is really different. I mean, if you've not studied John before and you've looked at other, other gospels, you know, John is like, wow, you know, this is almost talking about a different Jesus. I mean, it just really rose up. Good, Denny. I look at it. The book is Jesus led by example in all their lives, and he trained them and taught them. Yep. And whether they followed him or not, that was up to them, of course. Right. That he led by example, and that's what we are commissioned to do, also. Just follow me. And I'll keep showing you, right? So if we don't lose contact with that, then we're simply following the example laid before us. Yeah. Precisely. Well, they're great insights. Go ahead, Deb. I love the beginning of John, the yes. description of Jesus, who he is, what, you know, that he was here, that he was and the other key operative word is light. 
right? Jesus is light, which pushes away the darkness. Darkness is sin, right? The, the contrast between light, light and dark. Yeah, it's just I mean, what what an incredible way to, to start a gospel. Very I mean, powerful. Yeah. Very different from all yep. Fabulous. What else did you find wonderful and tremendous? I, I found the fact that John, when you really line it up, doesn't focus on too many miracles. I mean, he says he's going to prove by miracles, but there's only a couple. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, they're, they're almost rare, but he spends a lot of time on each one and really, really focuses on those. And they're, for the most part, unique from the other Gospels. So John's the only one telling these stories. And again, there were so many more he could have chosen, but the, these are the ones that... that uh, the, the Spirit has directed him to, to, to put to pen and, and share with us and yeah, that we have recorded for us today. And so it's, yeah, when you get into the, the, the blind man and, and Lazarus and all of that, it's just, wow. Yeah, the, the, the depth of the story is, and the detail by which he, he tells it is, uh, is absolutely incredible. The, you know, a lot of the other stories are kind of you know, real quick. Mark especially, my gosh, yeah, Jesus did that, now move on to the next thing. Uh, you know, hardly any detail at all. But John spends tells way less stories, but a lot more depth in the, in each of them. Pretty pretty neat stuff. What else do you find? How often Jesus does something to refute the religious laws? Yes. The system which again was corrupt and designed to actually keep people away from God. And that's why he was so so against it. And again, the beginning and the end of the ministry was the driving out of the money changers and the those who sell, sold the animals. Even though that was prescribed, the way they had turned that system into a moneymaker and a way to prevent poor people from coming into church was just anathema to Jesus. And so he said, we're going to get rid of that. Yeah. So, and again, why we can't then think today that, well, we can come up with a really good system and basically become Pharisees ourselves. That's not following Jesus. It's not, you know, the love because then it would be some alter ulterior motive that we would be arranging that and uh, we, we can't allow ourselves to do it. So that's a really good lesson for us to not do. Other great insights. The time wasn't right. The timing wasn't right. They had him again. They were ready to arrest him and kill him. He was gone again. And one after another after another. And along those lines, John does an incredible job at, and I think better than even anybody else, and makes it more clear of how Jesus comes to his own people. 
and yet his people, that's going back to chapter one, Deb, right? His own people reject him. I mean, it was a few, but you know, remember the only success story was when he crossed the Jordan, went into foreign territory, and they came flocking. They seemed legitimate and real and, and were willing to follow. But with his own people could, could do nothing, and that, that was because every, yeah, every occasion, they're trying to stone him, trying to yeah, arrest him, trying to do something with him. Yeah. You know, they would argue, and then they just would miss the point entirely and try to use that against him. And that was finally, by the time you get the trial, then you, you see that as well. But isn't it neat how much detail John goes into at the Last Supper? I mean, a third of the gospel is on the Last Supper. <laughs> yeah, three years, but we're going to spend a good bit of this in, in, in one night. And uh, just some incredibly powerful, powerful teachings. Well, good stuff. That was an excellent, excellent study. I don't know about you, but I, I learned a lot and uh, just am more convinced than ever of Jesus is God. Denny. For, for one thing, the book of John isn't centered in the Bible, but it is. it gives you the message of the whole Bible. For God so loved the world, right. and he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes with him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yep. That's the true message of the whole Bible that's found in John. Yep, only John. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead, I've also noticed that uh, the last few weeks or a few months, there's been a lot of John um, messages on Sunday morning. Oh, did you notice that, did you? Yes, I did notice that. <laughs> you never guessed what's going to happen this week. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's how that's how good that's how good and that's how powerful yes. this gospel is. Yeah, because you know, again, you know, what what I'm working on is you know what we what we know and believe about God, and John does such an incredible job at explaining all of it. So yeah, I you know that's my primary resource. Yep. Yeah, we're going to uh, chapter eight this week. Yeah. Yeah. What you got, Lynn? Uh, just a little thing about the Jewish belief about the. Soul circles the body for three days. Yeah, that was a new one. Yes, yes. <laughs> so by the fourth day, no yeah. chance. But here it is. Yeah. yeah. And again, for for them, that was just blew their minds. So in three days, they could have come up with a good, reasonable explanation of why four days was impossible, <coughs> and thus the power of that, that that miracle. So let me conclude by asking you a question: Who's who's my favorite group in the church? <laughs> Jesus doesn't have favors, but I do. <laughs> but I think my what Peggy was was talking about because you guys have decided that I I, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to learn. I want to understand this. I want to, and it takes time. It takes effort. It, you got to get in your car. You got to come, and it, you got to apply yourself. It 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 yeah requires something of us, but. For people who are willing to do that, who are t to commit themselves to grow in, in this faith, you guys are awesome. Love you a bunch, I'll tell you. It's just awesome, awesome, awesome. So we'll take a couple weeks off. We're going to come back strong. Be the second, whatever that date is, the second Tuesday in September. Mark that date down, whatever that is. Uh, and we'll get going on Isaiah. It'll be interesting. To, well, we'll have to cover probably about two chapters a night. 
but a lot of it's a story and we can we can yeah it won't yeah won't be near as hard as romans i guarantee it so yes september 12th thank you excellent 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 all righty with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.